0: Hello everybody. Thanks for coming to my seminar. My name is James Aladiran and this is my wife, Rebecca. <laughs> and um we are part of a, a prayer movement uh called Prayer Storm. And this session I'm gonna share a bit about that, but I'm also gonna share a bit about my half of prayer. And um just a bit of a history as to why I end up doing what I'm doing right now. Uh but before I start I'm gonna pray okay so um father we just thank you for your presence already here we thank you for what you've already been doing lord in this place and father we align our hearts right now with your will and your agenda for this time god we say speak to us lord let our hearts be open father to hear what the spirit is saying to the church at this time god father you're welcome here we know you're already here but we say you're welcome to do that which you want to do god thank you jesus amen Amen. Um, so uh, basically, I, am, uh, I was brought up in Nigeria mainly. My dad is a missionary. Um, I was born in Liberia. My mom is from Ghana. And uh, as I said, I grew up a lot in Nigeria. I came over to the UK in 2001. I was 17 at the time. Basically, God spoke to my dad while he was pastoring a church in Nigeria. This is probably for over 10 years he was pastoring this church. And God said to him to come to Manchester specifically, says, I have a work for you there. Okay, so to call the long story short, uh, myself, my dad, my siblings, my mom, we all moved over because we believed God called us, uh, 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 God, God was calling us to this nation. Funny enough, just a few weeks ago, maybe a month now, um, I was in a meeting, a unity meeting, and um, there was a lot of Africans there, and there was a few white people there, and uh It it was a unity meeting in Manchester in the the Methodist Central Hall. Apparently, John Wesley also preached in this hall. So we're having a a, a meeting uh, to kind of unite people in the church. And uh, as I was sharing with the Africans, um, hello, everyone. (laughs) As I was sharing with the Africans, uh, you know, I was saying to them, you know, it's not an accident we're here in this nation. Because a lot of the uh, missionaries that left England, that went to Africa, many of them took their coffins with them. Okay, so I'm sharing this with the Africans saying, We're not here in this nation just to have little African churches and just disconnect from the culture. Because the missionaries that left England to go to Africa did not go to Africa to preach to English people in Africa. Okay, they went to Africa to learn the language, learn the culture, and to influence the system. Okay, so I'm sharing this and I'm saying, God has called me as a missionary because I was born on the mission field. Okay, and I'm a missionary to this nation, and that led us into a time of prayer to break the dividing wall between the African churches and the English churches, and to see the bridges being built and all this kind of stuff, okay? So I finished sharing this, and a guy called Dennis Wrigley, he leads Maranatha, okay, some of you might know him, okay? Uh, he, he came up and he spoke afterwards, he says, in this very hall, that hall I was speaking, the Methodist Central Hall, in 1890, his grandfather was mobilizing for missions in that hall to Africa, Okay? So he just kind of mentioned that briefly. Afterwards, I spoke to him. I was like, I want to know more about this missions movement. He said, in 1890, um, uh, uh, his grandfather was mobilizing for missions to Africa, and there were queues of young people in their 20s. I was like, how old? Is like 23-year-olds. Signing up to go to Africa, knowing the life expectancy was 14 weeks. Okay, He said that to me and I'm just shaking thinking, wow. And we think we're radical for God because we've been to a Christian conference or because we've gone on a mission trip. That is a picture of young people who are totally sold out for the gospel. Okay, And I'm thinking to myself, if that same passion can exist in the youth of today for God and for this nation, we're going to have a revolution. And that's very clear to me. I know that. Okay, so I'm saying all that to give you a background. I see myself as a missionary to this nation. Now, another part of the story I've missed out is uh, about a month ago, I was with Jonathan Oloide, the guy who does global prayer, doing a, a, a meeting uh, uh, for Urban Saints. And uh, and uh, there was a guy that came with him that was sharing with me. This guy has just come from Nigeria, probably about eight months ago. And uh I finished speaking, and it's like, James, I need to speak to you. So we started speaking, it's like, okay, my grandfather, this is this guy telling me, his grandfather was involved in the revival movement in 1929 in Nigeria, okay? This movement was sparked off by some missionaries that came from England who were influenced by the Welsh Revival. Okay. Now, while that revival was going on in nineteen twenty nine, there was a prophecy released and was said that just like those missionaries came to Nigeria to spark off a revival in years to come, the seed of the land will come back to this nation and spark off a revival. So I am listening to this guy, I'm feeling the presence of God. I'm going, Wow, I am a, I'm part of the fulfillment of that prophecy. You know, so my heart is being stirred, and I realize what God has called me to in this nation is not an accident. And I know it's part of what He wants to use to spark off revival in this nation. So there's a few things I want to share with you because obviously as you would know there's been no move of God that's been started without a prayer movement preceding it. Every move of God has involved people that have gone before the rest of the church in intercession to prepare the way for what God was about to do. Okay now this is a Good quote from Leonard Ravenhill. I love it. it. says, No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is plain. The people who are not praying are strained. The pulpit can be a shop window to display our talents, but the prayer closet allows no showing off. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> and um, as I start to read about revivals, I, I'm 29 and I went to Salford University. As I start to read about revivals. My heart is so stirred to see God move in this nation. But more than seeing God move in this nation, my heart was more stirred to meet with God. Because for me, this is the foundation of why I'm passionate about prayer, okay? It's not about just seeing God move, because it's possible to be passionate about God's work and not be passionate about God, okay? And we see a lot of that. Where you get carried away with doing things for God. And the very God of the work, you've ignored Him. And you're just carrying on running with the vision. And your ears have gone dull. Your heart has gone dull. You can have a growing ministry to the masses and a shrinking heart towards God. I would rather have a big heart towards God than a big ministry. Okay? Because God is after fundamentally our heart connection with Him. So as I'm reading about revivals, my heart is stirred to see God move in the nation. But more than seeing God move in the nation, my heart is more stirred to meet God. Because as I read about some of these revivals, I'm so challenged by the level of closeness some of these men of God had with God. You know, you read about Smith-Hogersworth in a, in a train where, because he's in that train, people without him saying a word, people are coming to him and saying to him, you convict me of sin and the whole carriage repenting. You heard of Charles Finney. The same thing happening. You heard of Evan Roberts. You heard of that Duncan Campbell. You heard of some of these revivals where people become a conduit for the presence of God. And because they've so surrendered themselves or because whatever, I don't know, the fullness of what God's done in them has got to a point where they become a place where God is overflowing His presence and impacting people. It says in Joseph 28, I'll pour my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And for us, that's been a key scripture. But for the Lord to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. We as individuals need to walk in the overflow of His presence. We're not going to see a public outpouring without a private overflow of His presence. Many times we're calling out for the Holy Spirit to show up publicly for us, but privately we're not showing up for Him. Okay? And I'm saying this to say, the reason why I'm passionate about praying is not because I want to see God do things. First and foremost, I'm passionate about meeting God. He is the reason for all of this. (laughs) And as I go after the heart of God, and this has been my story, as I've been at university seeking God, I found that the Lord started to stir in my heart his passion for the nation, his passion for the youth. I never planned to lead a prayer movement. I never planned to stand in front of masses talking about prayer and all this kind of stuff. I just wanted to go after God. But as I had a revelation of God, I had a revelation of who he called me to be. And I realize his heart burns for the youth, not just for the youth, his heart burns for this nation. And he wants to see the church rise up and fulfill the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Okay? And I say to people, there's no way we can set ourselves to fulfill that commandment and be able to do that with all of our hearts and have time to be intense at 10 other things it's impossible as human beings to be intense at 10 things at the same time if we focus on fulfilling that command with all our heart soul mind and strength everything else is going to change fundamentally prayer for me is about encountering the heart of god it's about encountering god for who he is prayer is a lot different when you realize it's not just going through a grocery list it's about encountering a person and uh I give you that background for you to understand where I'm coming from. And in terms of uh, trying to see young people, not just young people, by the way, because I'm probably going to keep saying young people, but it's not just exclusively to the youth. I have a passion to see the youth rise up. And the reason for that is this. In Joel 2.28, uh, it says, I pour my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters. Okay? First mention of young people. Your old men will dream dreams. And your, uh, and your young men will see visions. In one verse, there's a big emphasis on the youth, okay? Now, I realize as I come to this nation and God starts in my heart for intercession, that there are generations that's gone before me in prayer and intercession. And as I start giving myself to prayer and going to prayer meetings, I realize mainly it's filled with women, no men, and no young people. Okay, so I'm, 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 I'm challenging my saying, where are the youth of the nation? Because Joel 2.28 tells me the youth are going to be a very key part of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. And... With what we're doing, we're not looking to start from square one. We're looking to stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before us in intercession. Now, we're not, God wants to connect the generations together, okay? And we need to see the, a new breed of intercessors rise up from the youth of this nation. And I say that to explain to you why we have a focus on the youth. Because the devil has a focus on the youth of this nation. You don't need to be prophetic to see that. A lot of things are geared towards reaching people when they're young. Because once, once the, enemy, the enemy knows, once it captures them once, when they're young, it's very hard to break free from some of the things that they end up getting into at a young age. And I believe God is calling us as a prayer movement to really begin to raise the awareness in the church that the youth are not the leaders of tomorrow. They're the leaders of today. And we need to invest in them just like that. Okay? So, anyway... My story, I started seeking God while I was at university, just with a hunger uh, to encounter God. And I remember in 2005, I came across this clip online um, uh, from The Ramp. Anyone heard of The Ramp? <laughs> a couple of people. And uh, The Ramp is a youth movement in America. It's in Hamilton, Alabama. Just the craziest bunch of young people you've ever seen. Like, just so radical, on fire for God. So I came across this clip online. And I was just impacted. I was like so stirred. And I was just in my face, just weeping, saying, God, I really want to see this in Manchester. I really want to see this in the nation. Like, there was something authentic I could sense. And it wasn't hype, you know, because sometimes you can have hype. It wasn't hype. It was, there was authenticity in the hunger I could discern. And I was just really impacted. Okay, so... Two years later, 2007, I finished uni and I failed to send them an email uh, because I wanted to go over there and kind of connect with what they were doing. So I sent them an email just really to say, how do I get from Birmingham, Alabama to Hamilton, Alabama? Because Hamilton, Alabama is like a a town of 5,000 people in the middle of nowhere, okay? So... That was it. I got an email back that was really uh, exciting because I didn't realize the lady who leads the ramp is called Karen Wheaton. In 2002, I think it was, she was with Benny Hinn in Manchester at the MEN Arena. Uh, was anyone there? Here? Okay, a couple of you were there. Um, and um, after the crusade, she was singing in that crusade. After the crusade, uh, she went to the hotel room and uh, she looked out of a window and sees thousands of kids on the streets, you know, like, if you know Manchester nightlife, is crazy, drunkenness, just partying, all that kind of stuff. So she's intrigued, and she comes out and starts talking to them, and they're kind of like intrigued because she's American, and they're like, what are you doing here? And she says, I'm a singer. So they say, sing for us, and she's singing for all these drunk girls, and they start crying, and they start asking her to pray for them. Okay, so she leaves Manchester, goes back to the ramp, this is 2002, and tells them of her experience here, and they start praying for revival in Manchester. (laughs) Fast forward to 2007, I don't know that, I just sent them an email. So they emailed me back, really excited that of all places to come from, I was coming from Manchester. Okay, So at that point I was like, wow, it feels like God might be up to something here. So I went to the ramp. And when I go to the you, I didn't really get to meet Karen Wheaton much because, you know, it's a conference, she's busy, all, things, all kinds of things going on. I just got to say hi, and that was it. But my life was radically turned around because I lived with the young people that were there. The young people I saw on the Internet, I got to live with them. And there was something authentic I saw that I'd never seen before. I always liken it to this. You don't know you're asleep until you wake up. And many times, God will place you around people who are spiritually awake to show you how spiritually asleep you are. I didn't think I was spiritually asleep. I thought I was on fire for God. But I didn't realize there were other young people that actually, when I was around them, it made me feel like I'd wasted my youth. Because I saw a new level of fervency, a new level of focus, a new level of dedication, a new level of just prayer. I was like, I'd never seen that kind of intensity before. And I was so stirred. And I remember being in some of those meetings and... You know, God is moving, it was so powerful. And, you know, because the ramp as a movement has been founded on prayer, I think it's very hard to, it's very difficult to be in that environment and not catch a heart for prayer. I believe prayer is more caught than taught. You can teach all the principles you want to. If God does not do a work on the heart, you're not really going to get it, okay? And it's a work of the Holy Spirit. But somehow, me being around people that were carrying something of that heart stirred me to catch something of what God had, okay? And I was in that atmosphere, and it's amazing how those meetings were. I remember thinking, I can't wait to get home to pray. And I start thinking, what would it look like if we start judging how great a meeting is? Not by the presence of God we feel in the meeting, but by the desire for God we feel when the meeting is over. Because God is more concerned about what happens when the meeting is over than what is happening in the meeting. Not that God doesn't want to move in the meeting, but most times we spend our lives outside of a context like this. And God is more concerned about heaven coming into your workplace, heaven coming into your family. A true test of revival is what's happening at home. And God was calling me like I'd never known before to seek him in prayer. Well, something random happened at the meeting that wasn't planned. During one of the worship services, uh, uh, Karen Wheaton got up on stage and said, Oh, there are a few kids here from England. Why don't you come up on the stage? So this wasn't planned. So he came up on the stage, and then she shared the experience that she had in Manchester, everyone, okay? So as she shares this experience, she's talking. She's like, you know what? I'm just going to let James say something. She doesn't know me <laughs> from anywhere. She, she gives the microphone, and I start speaking about Joel 228. I'll pull out my spirit in all flesh. As I'm speaking, I experience something I've never experienced before the presence of God in a heart of intercession came on me and as I'm speaking, I just fall on my face and start weeping and crying out and saying, God, have mercy, send revival to England. Well, the whole conference was literally like a bomb just went off in the place, spiritually speaking. All these teenagers were just weeping and just crying out for God and saying, God, send revival to England, send revival to Manchester. For the next 30 minutes, this was going on. I didn't realize how significant that moment was until I got back to England. Well, before I got back to England after the ramp gathering, I went to another meeting, uh, called uh, The Call. Anyone heard of The Call with Lou Engel? You know, stadium gatherings, fasting, and prayer. Uh, I'd heard of Lou before this, and I realized uh, before this ga- this, this was 7707, 7th of July 2007. Okay, before this gathering, they were doing a 40 day fast that was going to end on that day. So I heard about it, and I joined them in this fast. And um, I went to this gathering, and there were 70,000 mainly young people in a stadium in Nashville. Okay, praying for 12 hours, uh, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Actually, it started at 8 a.m. because they did like a repentance walk through some streets in Nashville. So 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., fasting and prayer, repenting and calling on God to move in America. Okay, I'm in this gathering thinking, Lord, why don't I see people pray like this in England? Why don't I see this level of intensity in England? I don't mean just the worship service. We have nice worship services. In fact, the church in this nation has influenced the church of the world with the worship music that God has blessed us with. That's not to say it's bad, but I mean a cry of intercession. A real cry of intercession. That's deep. That's real. That's not superficial. Lord, why don't we see this in England? Okay? And I'm just thinking about this, okay? And I forget about it. During the day, I'm just worshiping and just engaging in what's going on. And God speaks to me very clearly. He said, James, you're going to mobilize like this for prayer in England. And I'm just like, whoa, where did that come from? Really shocked. But I knew I'd heard from God. I wrote it down. Okay, so I came back to England. Okay, I was praying like I'd never prayed before. And I know it's the grace of God, because there's no way I could have prayed the way I prayed. I mean, for hours and hours and hours and hours. And then I wake up in the middle of the night and pray till, the, till midnight again. I like, wake up at 4 in the morning sometimes or 3 in the morning and pray till 11 at night. Okay, like there was a burden of intercession. And not to boast at all because even since then, I've not prayed with that level of intensity of what I experienced in that moment. I know God was doing something in me and God released something on me in prayer. But I was seeking God just for one thing. God moving this city, moved moving this nation, awaken the youth of this nation. As I'm praying one day, I just heard her name Deborah Green. I don't know what Deborah Green is, okay? And I don't really have word of knowledge that much, really. So I knew something was up about Deborah Green. So I failed to go on Google and type in Deborah Green Manchester. I went on Google, typed in her name. The video from the ramp, I failed to send that video to her. She watched that video, really impacted by it. Send it to Andy Hawthorne. He watched it, was really impacted. It played at the message prayer day. People were really impacted by this. Someone in the meeting that had not seen for years knew me. They sent me an email to say, James, I just saw this random video of you, you know, praying in America. You know, why don't you come around to the message and see what we do? So I went out to a message. Anyone knows Andy Hawthorne here? The Message Trust. Worldwide Message Tribe. Okay. Anyway, so I went there and met Andy and the rest is history from about December 2007. I started working for the message trust, <laughs> mobilizing for prayer within the ministry. As I'm mobilizing for prayer within the ministry, I'm still doing what, would, you know, what I felt God put on my heart. I'm still challenging my friends to start regular prayer groups for the nation, for the city. And, you know, that was going on. This, that was not connected with my work at the message. So as this is going on, I feel God put on my heart to gather all these prayer groups together to have a day of prayer for the city, and that's where Prayer Storm came from. So we had the first Prayer Storm gathering in May of 2009, and to be honest with you, it was a really powerful day. But I didn't really think I was going to do anything after it. I just, thought, I just feel to do this for now, and that's it. So I did it and just moved on. Okay. It wasn't until about uh, I think it was October of 2009 something weird started happening when i 'm praying, I open my eyes and I see eleven eleven everywhere i 'm just saying eleven 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 to the point where it 's just weird and freaky. has that happened to anyone before <laughs> someone okay and i 'm aware that Something weird is going on, but I don't know what it is. So I'm asking God, Lord, what is this eleven eleven 11 thing about, okay? I didn't really get any answer until my birthday. My birthday is eleven eleven. 11 okay? I'm praying on my birthday, and I just start weeping as God just downloads this revelation to me about John the Baptist, okay? It wasn't something I was thinking about. And God was saying to me, John, the, Matthew 11 is about John the Baptist, by the way. And John the Baptist lived a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, and his calling was to prepare the way for the first coming of, Je- uh, for, of Jesus. And upon him was the spirit of Elijah. What qualified him to prepare the way was his lifestyle. And Jesus prophesies while John the Baptist is still on the earth. And Jesus says to the disciples in Matthew 17, 11, he says, Elijah is coming again. Okay. So even though the spirit of Elijah rested upon John, Jesus says, Elijah is coming again. Now, I don't know if that's the literal man Elijah or the spirit of Elijah, but as God put it on my heart on that date, 11-11-2009, I feel it was the spirit of Elijah. Now, Elijah the man is probably going to come again. I don't know. But the point is, the spirit of Elijah, just like it rested upon John, God has put it on my heart that that same spirit is going to rest upon a generation. And they are going to look like what John looked like. They're not going to wear camel's hair and eat locusts and wild honey, but they're going to have an equivalent level of fervency and intensity towards God. And because of that lifestyle, that will cause them to prepare the way... For the second coming of Jesus, Jesus is going to come to a church that's on fire for him. John lived in the wilderness. Have you ever been to the wilderness? There's nothing there. And he was there doing one thing, just seeking God with all of his heart. Jesus says of him, it was a burning and a shining lamp. In other words, there was something going on on the inside of him. He was burning, okay? And uh, what's it? In Luke one eighty? he says, uh, He grew strong in spirit, and he was in the desert until the day of his manifestation to the nation. Okay? So John the Baptist was growing strong spiritually in a desert place. In other words, feeling spiritually dry or being in a dry place spiritually is not an excuse for lack of spiritual strength. You, am I making sense? The fact that John the Baptist was in the desert was not an excuse for him to be spiritually weak. In the desert place, he was still growing strong in strength. Because there was something significant going on on the inside of him that was greater than the external factors. And what God has called us to do, and I believe what God has called me to do, which is what I'm telling you about right now. And I believe he's speaking this to the church right now. Is that we will be a people of a real inner depth of walking with God that's beyond external things. It's beyond whether our ministry is growing or not. It's beyond whether we have external prosperity or not. But there's a real inner depth to our walk with God. Those people that live like John, in these days, when they stand to pray and declare the Word of God, heaven hears them and hell hears them. Because reality is we cannot bind what binds us. We can't propel the way in a situation where we ourselves are contaminated with the culture. And God has been challenging us as his, uh, as, as, the, as a prayer movement to begin to call the young people to shake away all this entertainment driven Christianity and get into a place where there's a real depth of spirituality that 's beyond external props it 's beyond whether the band is sounding nice or you know or the the worship leader is sounding great you know or whatever that if I was locked up in a prison cell of a Bible. I can still see God and have a reality of connection with God that's beyond all this. So the half of prayer storm started like this. And um, when God started downloading the revelation of uh, John the Baptist to my heart, that led me and a few friends and a few of us into a 40-day fast, which I believe launched what we have today as prayer storm. So I want to give you a few things um, uh, of concepts as to why we do what we do in prayer. In 1940, there was uh, was the World War going on. (laughs) And Churchill released this statement. It says, In the field of human conflict, never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. And he was talking about the RAF. And you know, they were fighting the battle in the airways. Okay? Eva didn't win that battle. We'll probably be speaking German today. <laughs> okay? It was just a few people. And whoever had, whoever had air supremacy had authority on the earth. And that's a picture of what happens in prayer. Because what we don't realize is the spiritual realm is more real than the natural realm. The Bible says the things that are seen are made from the things that are unseen. Okay, so all these things that are seen were made out of things God spoke the world the world into being, and he's spirit God the Bible says God is spirit, okay, so if these things that we see came from the realm that's not seen, it tells me the realm that's not seen is superior to this realm. it created this realm, okay, If I were to hold this iPhone over a light and cast the shadow, the shadow is a reflection of the real thing. The shadow is not the real thing. if I want to change the shadow. I can't change the shadow by moving the shadow around. I've got to step into the real thing and change that real thing. And then the shadow is going to move. And it's like that in prayer. That we would have to see that we have authority to shift things in the realm of the Spirit. The only way we do that is through prayer and intercession and worship. And we create a space in the airways for the kingdom of God to invade the land. And the reason why the church is not having the impact it's meant to have, the reason why immorality is increasing in the nation, in the schools, even in our churches, and there's darkness is a sign that the church has lost air supremacy. But God is calling us to regain air supremacy like the RAF. And we, again, are going to be those people that will gain the ground in the the realm of the Spirit. That is where we win the battle. It's not by our events. It's not by our programs. It's not by our clever ideas. We have to gain authority in the realm of the Spirit. But the problem is we don't realize God has given given us that authority. Many times we can't even step into the fullness of that authority because we are bound by the culture and the system. And God wants us to affect the world from a place of separation. Not to say we're holier than thou, but we're not caught up in the same things like the world is caught up in. And I'm saying to some youth, you know, I've been speaking at a few youth meetings. I'm saying, look, there's not much difference between the youth in the church and the youth in the world. We're singing the same songs. We're dressing the same way. We're doing the same things. Where's the demarcation? Where's the difference? You know, we're just slipping around like they're slipping around. So what's the point of the cross? The cross of Jesus is not a sin management program. The cross of Jesus is a sin eradication program. And if it died for me to be free, then I can be free indeed. And we have to live in the, in the, in the, in the light of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And in that place, when we pray, something happens. Something shifts in the realm of the spirit. And that is how we're going to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus. Another illustration I'm going to give is parliament. When parliament, uh, uh, set, a law in motion the fact that the law has been passed does not mean it's obeyed throughout the land right so what do they do they have law enforcers the job of the law enforcers is to look around and see where the law has been disobeyed and enforce the law that's already been passed spiritually is the same we're not praying from a place of defeat we're pr- praying from a place of victory the victory has been won on the cross but satan is rebellious and he is going to rebel against that victory in territories where the church is not rising up to be the law enforcers to enforce the victory of the cross in every situation In your family, you're meant to enforce the victory of the cross. In your neighborhood, you're meant to enforce the victory of the cross. Because Satan knows you have that authority. And he blinds the church from only focusing on ourselves and our needs and our wants. When God has called us to take nations in intercession, this is where it starts, people. And God is calling us to rise up as this church in this hour. To see that we are powerful. And we are called to shake this nation. I believe I'm called to revival. I believe I'm going to be a revivalist. I am a revivalist my kids are going to be revivalists. i will not live for any other cause than to see the kingdom of god come and heaven release on earth if god asks us to pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven it's not a wishful statement it's not just a nice words he asks us to pray that because it's possible it's possible to have heaven on earth okay so the question is do you want to do as little as you can and then get into heaven or do you want to do as much as you can and see heaven coming to earth do you want to become a vessel that heaven can come through? Because if we're gonna say heaven come on earth as it is in heaven, we are the earth in vessels first and foremost, we're dust, okay? Is heaven and the will of God being manifested in here? That's just my time you're telling me time up. <laughs> is heaven being manifested in here? Okay, we're saying, God, let heaven come. Let your glory invade our neighborhoods and all that. That's great. But the the point is the person praying the prayer, okay? This earthen vessel is heaven being released in here. In terms of in heaven, there's no resistance to the will of God. Okay, God speaks and the angels move. Okay? So his will is done in heaven. In here, is it been done? Or are we living half-hearted lives? Okay? Where we're obeying God ninety-eight percent. Because we're not going to really affect the world with half-hearted devotional lives. Okay? It has to be. Look, look through history yourself. Look at the people that God has used. They've never been half-hearted. They've been all out, in fact, extreme for God. That is what it's going to take to shift things in this nation. Because the darkness is increasing and it's not going to stop. It's going to keep increasing but the glory of God is going to rise as well as the darkness upon those people who are wholehearted. It's like you're trying to swim against the tide, right? Okay, the the, the, the river is coming 10 miles an hour downstream and you're trying to swim. Okay, if you do nothing by default, you get swept away. Okay, in this culture, if you just go to church, go to Bible study and that's your spiritual life, you get swept away. It's impossible to grow in God by just going to meetings. You're not going to know God in a meeting. You might experience something of His presence but it's a private walk with Him. That's why I said the reason why i'm passionate about praying and interceding is because i want to know god first and foremost but as i know god i'm passionate about revival because i know he's passionate about the lost so we can't just coast along and go to meetings and conferences and think we're going to change the nation no we have to swim against the tide now if you swim against the tide and you're going at 10 miles an hour upstream and the tide is 10 miles an hour downstream what happens we remain in the same position the force we have to exert against the darkness has to be greater than the darkness that's coming against us. There has to be a level of tenacity and intensity that comes to our prayer lives, that comes to our walk, our devotional life. A casual approach to prayer produces casualties. And there are many casualties today because they don't realize prayer is warfare. We're not just called to, to be intimate with God. We're called to take authority in the earth. Both go hand in hand. We've got to walk intimately with God because that's the foundation for intercession. And God has called us to gain ground in this nation. So I say all that to say this. God wants to call the church to a place of prayer like we've never known before. Before Jesus returns, the church is going to be a praying church like we've never seen. I don't mean just having prayer gatherings. The church is going to be a prayer. I mean, individuals in the church are going to carry the lifestyle of Anna in the Bible and pray in the second coming of Jesus and give themselves to God. Alongside the grassroots movement of prayer, we're going to see stadiums being filled with intercession, like I saw in America, but even greater than that. Mind you, I didn't say a stadium. I said stadiums will be filled in this nation. And I've heard those prophetic words and I'm declaring it to you so that when it happens, you know, God said this will happen. And that's a sign that God has not forgotten this nation. God still has this nation on his end time plan. And there's going to be an outpouring of the spirit that this nation has never known before. This nation was at the forefront of influencing the nations of the world of the gospel. And their prayers that our great-grandfathers, your great-great-grandfathers prayed. God has not forgotten the prayers of Smith Wigglesworth. God has not forgotten the prayers of Evan Roberts. God has not forgotten the prayers of... Of John, West, of John Wesley, of George Whitefield. These are great men that came from this land, and their prayers are still hanging in the balance. As we pray, we're adding to the prayers in the bowl, and one day it's going to tip over, and we're going to have the explosion of God in this nation. We are on the brink of something exciting, and this is not a time to coast along. This is not a time to just chill out and go to a nice conference and chill out here. And No, no, no. This is the time to be intense for God. It's probably going to look different for everyone. But the point is, you've got to make sure whatever it looks like for you, you're giving 100%. 100%. And I know this. And when I pray for the young people, I can see it. If the young people of this nation would rise to this call, I can see that we have a revolution like we've never seen before. I know it. But I know as well, what I'm seeing right now in the youth is not what I can see my vision when I pray. What I'm seeing in my vision is those young people in 1890 who were were queuing up to go as missionaries to Africa knowing that the life expectancy was 14 weeks. I'm seeing that passion released in the youth of today. When I say the youth, I just don't mean young people. I mean the church at large. But specifically, I want to see the young people rise up in this. Because I believe God has a specific calling on the youth to release an awakening. Not in isolation, but in connection to the generation that's gone before them. So you have a part to play. We all have a part to play. And God is going to baptize us with a fresh move of his spirit. You know what, let's stand. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here, Lord. Father, we know you're sounding the alarm in the spirit and you're calling the forerunners to rise up. And Father, we're saying we will be the forerunners like John who will prepare the way of the Lord. Father, we lay aside distractions, we lay aside complacency, we lay aside the lies of the enemy. We say we will not have that anymore. We're going to have you, Lord. We're going to give you everything. We're going to give you everything. We choose to disconnect, Lord, from all the distractions of this world. Father, my Mark us us to be forerunners today, God. Mark us to release the move of your spirit in this nation, Lord. Mark us, Lord. We don't want to just coast along. We don't want no more Christianity. No more, no more Christianity, Lord. We want to see this nation turn back to you. Release an awakening into the church. Wake us up from our slumber, Lord. Shake us from our slumber, Lord. Awaken the church, Lord. Sound the alarm in the spirit. Let the warriors rise up. Let the dead ones rise up and begin to live in you, God. Release a fresh awakening to your church. Wake up the pastors. Wake up the youth leaders. Wake up the young people, Lord, from complacency, from sexual immorality. Oh, God, break it up of us, Lord. We say today we will rise up, Lord, and we will be intercessors for this nation. We will rise up and we will stand in the gap for the youth. We will stand in the gap for the government. Oh, Lord, release a fresh burden upon us, Lord. Lord, like we've never known. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus, mark us today, Lord. Mark us today, Lord, with a spirit of awakening, a spirit of revival. Mark us today, Lord. We say yes, Lord, to your will. Yes, Lord, to your way. Let heaven come. Let heaven come through us. Let heaven come through us. We lay down our agendas. We lay down all the distractions. Let heaven come through me. Let heaven come through us, Lord. Oh Jesus. We got to have more of you. We got to have more of you, Lord. Oh Jesus. Just cry out to the Lord for a moment. Oh God. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, we gotta have you, we gotta have you, Lord. More of you, God. More of you, more of you, God. More of you. If you can just place your hands on your heart, I'm gonna pray over us. Father, we bring our hearts before you, Lord all we are is all we have all we have is all we are lord and we laid before you we say god mark us today god with your spirit of awakening mark us today lord to be burning and shining lamps like john was lord let a fire burn in our hearts lord father set a fire down in our hearts that we can't control lord father release a fresh fire to every one of us in this place lord let us be revivalists in our schools in our churches in our workplaces, in our universities, in our homes, Lord. God mark us. We know this is the only way. There are no shortcuts to revival. We choose to give ourselves to prayer like we heard, like we've read about, Lord, in revivals of old. We choose to be men and women of intercession, Lord thank you, God, that you are with us. Thank you, God, that you are for us. It's not by might, It's not by power, but it's by your Spirit. And we say, God, let your Spirit energize us and work through us today, God, as we lay aside the distractions. Do your work in us and through us, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we praise you, Father. We pray. you.